This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. In typical, uh, I guess the last like three months, dude, we've been doing these things solo. We've been trading this thing off. You can't catch us in a room together. Yeah. But we're here with our boy Nick Williams from Viking Power Technologies. Nick, what's up, man? What's happening? Dude, we're just we're just grinding. Blowing and going like everybody we're just else. Blowing right? and going, you know. Yeah, appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, absolutely, man. How's uh what what do you guys do? So um Viking Power Technologies is part of the uh Prime Downhole Manufacturing family. Prime Downhole Manufacturing is a precision machine shop as well as a repair facility. Um and uh here April of 2021, last year. Uh, the Viking brand was added to the portfolio and uh, we're a power se- power section manufacturer. So we manufacture rotors and stators to uh, go on the top end of a mud motor to help turn a bit and, and drill these wells. So I got so many questions. I don't even know where to begin. So you guys are based here in Houston? We are. We're based here okay. in Houston. We've got three facilities. We've got one off of Spring Stubner 99, which is okay. our precision machine shop. We've yep. got one off of Ritchie and 45, which is our repair and uh, bearings manufacturing facility. And then the the newest facility is Viking, which is over by uh, which is off of um, JFK in the in the Beltway. Okay, so you guys are not actually manufacturing mud motors themselves. You're manufacturing a lot of the components that go into mud motors. So the answer to that is uh, yes and no. So we okay. do full suite. You know, we, we we work with customers that have their own mud motor design, and and they want to come to us and hey, we need. Um, we need the, the entire thing manufactured. Yes, we are manufacturing. We're not building them and putting them out in the field for use, but we are manufacturing the components. The idea of Prime as a whole, as a family, is to be the manufacturer of the BHA. From the bit box all the way through your MWD string, we can manufacture the components that go in that uh, in that string to be able to drill, drill wells. So are you manufacturing these directly for customers or are you manufacturing these for other brands that are then turn around and selling these? No, we're. Uh, I guess it could be a combination of, we, we work yeah. with some cu- customers that do sell some stuff overseas and things like that, but mostly we're working directly with your directional companies, your MWD companies, uh, motor rental companies and things like that, and we're manufacturing directly for them. Okay. Walk me through a little bit so we have a little bit more context about this prime family. What else what else is in that family? So right now it's just it's just it's just those two things. Again, we wanna we wanna manufacture the BHA. Adding the power sections to this allowed us to say that from the bit box to the top sub. The only thing, and we can even manufacture, you know, components for bits. Obviously, that's a very precise um, and uh uh, niche market for for a lot of these companies that that do the bit work they do it on their own but uh, um, what it allows us to do is again we can we can go um, component by component in a motor from the mm-hmm. lower end all the way to um, so we compete in a couple different arenas our machine shop and our on our precision machine shop and our repair shop compete with other machine shops there's a lot of them out there there's there's small ones like that generic have, machine shops we talking about oil field machine shops specifically so Currently, right now, I would say 95% of what we do is oil field. Yeah. Um, you know, as we look at, you know, growing this thing and, and, and making it bigger, that is one of the things that I'll be tasked with on a, on a business development and sales side is how do we how do we branch out? How do we diversify mm-hmm. a little bit? So, yeah. um, uh, you know, everybody knows that there's ups and downs. So mm-hmm. how do we how do we weather the storm? Right. But our, our main focus is oil and gas. Um, yeah. So we will compete with, you know machine shops that you know there are guys that have two or three machines in their in their garage and mm-hmm. they, they can spit out components we've got you know major manufacturers that we compete with on the machine shop side the adding the component of viking is what sets us apart not only on the power section side itself but on the machine side there's there's not 
a machine shop that owns a power section company and there's not a power section company that has their own machine shop the only ones doing it we're the only ones doing it that way where it's all in-house you literally send your tool to us the only things that we're not doing from a power section standpoint are coating our rotors and that's that's chrome and and epa and all that stuff that we don't Mm want to get involved in and removing the rubber of uh, uh, from the stators so uh everything else you know uh if you need a full motor built if you need if you need every component for a motor we can do it if you need every Mm -hmm. component for a bha you need mono collars drill whatever it may be stabilizers all of that stuff we can do that at at prime dude i don't know shit about my motors i don't even know where to begin with all this Um, yeah So the Viking technology, you said this is kind of groundbreaking for for Prime. Was this recently acquired by Prime? It was, yes. Yeah. So they said it was a newer technology. April of last year, um, we were approached by uh, an existing business that wanted to get out of the power section business, and uh, so we pu- purchased the assets of this company. And basically, we were, you know, the two biggest um, things that keep you out of getting into the power section business are time and capital. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of time to manufacture the machines that we use on a day-to-day basis to inject rubber, to remove rubber, to... So um, even making the machines to make the things. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You're, you're looking at... Um, we use the Weingartner um, rotor milling machines, and the, those those are uh, at least a 16-month lead time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the capital up there, you know, those those range in the in the millions of dollars, one, one to five yeah. million dollars, depending on what size you get. Um, so in order to... In order to get started in the business, you need a lot of upfront capital and you need time. Um, trying to time things in the oil and gas industry is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So again, we were approached. We were approached, and to take one step back, the president of our company, Life Cyberson, has been involved in two separate power section companies. Um, he, he's our best friend and our worst enemy because he created my two biggest competitors, or two of our three biggest competitors. And um, so he he's done this, this before. Re- he's just renting and repeating. He, he's, he's, he's done this before. <laughs> Um, he's been very successful and, and, and timing is everything. So yeah. um, life has been very, very good at, at the timing piece of it and, and building the right team. And that's that's what we're doing here at, at Viking as well. So um, this company approached us and said, hey, are you interested in getting into this into this market? And absolutely at the right price and price was right. And we didn't have any time to wait. So we made the purchase on in the middle of April of, two, of last year and um, started Day one, started producing power sections. Um, we tweaked the, the elastomer formulation to make it our own. That's kind of what's the proprietary part of a power section company. The process, um, we do some things a little bit different than everybody, but it's pretty much the same across the board from a process standpoint. Um, but the elastomer and the people. What, what is that? So the elastomer is, so um, to, to, to look at a power section in a whole, you have a rotor and a stator, okay? Okay. The stator, stator is sim- similar to a stator that you would find on a motorcycle. Or, I mean, we're talking about power. We're talking about you, power. That's what I'm comparing it to. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you're 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 talking about fluid-driven power. So what what you're looking at with a stator is 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 essentially a um, it, it's it's a can as we call it, but it's a metal tube. Okay. And then what we do is we inject an elastomer in it, rubber into it. Okay. okay? That elastomer has um, lobes. Okay. So there's there's peaks and valleys is the easiest mm-hmm. way to look at it, right? Um, so that. So like, that, a cam, like a camshaft. Correct. Okay. All right. So if you're looking at, so let's just take the old school bread and butter, six and three quarters, seven, eight, five, oh. If you were drilling a well in 2010, you were using a six and three quarters, seven, eight, five, oh. There wasn't a lot of variation in well design. There wasn't a lot of variation in power sections that you could have. Okay. So six and three quarters, seven, eight, five, oh. What does that mean? Six and three quarters is the OD of the tube. Okay. Mm-hmm. The seven, eight is the lobes on the, of the power section. So on the rotor, there are seven peaks. 
And in the stator, there are eight valleys. Damn. So what happens is this fluid is pumped down the drill string. And as the fluid is pumped down the drill string, it forces that rotor to turn within that stator by path of least resistance, right? It's going to find, it's going to find mm -hmm. the easiest way as it rotates, as, as it pushes the fluid down through that, that's what turns the transmission that in turn turns the bit. So we're going from a concentric motion to, or from an eccentric motion to a concentric motion to turn the bit, to be able to, to drill the well. Are most fluid driven? F fluid or air are, are, okay. are the two ways that we're doing it. So up in the Northeast where they're, they're seeing um, a, a lot of losses um, while they're drilling, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do an air mist combination, but yes, it's a, um, and this goes back to a, a French guy by the name of Rene Moineau. And uh, it was his, the, the positive displacement mud motor. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it was his kind of brainchild and, and it has turned into, so when I say, if in 2010 you were drilling a well, it was a, a six and three quarter, seven, eight, five, oh, today, hundreds uh, of different options of different flavors of, of, you know, um, just a little bit more torque, just a little bit more speed, just, you know, trying to tweak it to, you know, again, we're in the oil and gas industry. I think we're the only people in the business that, that get significantly better at what we do every single day, get paid less for it and continue <laughs> to improve. Right. <laughs> so that's just the nature of the business, na nature of the business. So y'all secret sauce is this, this rubber that you're, you're inserting into that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, and uh, what is, and what does that affect? So what happens is, is downhole, obviously you've got different types of fluids, different types of environments, different types of heat. Um, the elastomer is affected by all of those things, the swell characteristics, the strength of the rubber, the adhesion of the rubber to the stator. Um, all of those things are, this, um, is, this is what we're talking about right here. That's exactly this what we're talking it. about right there. So you're looking at a cross section. Okay. So the, the blue here is the okay. stator. And then we've just cut out uh, our good friends at, at Midnight Marketing do a great job for us, um, have, have cut out um, a section of the stator, and you can see the, the rubber profile inside. Um, so the elastomer, um, again, the strength of the, the, um, the elastomer, the elasticity, the elongation, all, all different things go into it uh, uh, that make our elastomer slightly different from our competitors. Okay. And... Um, so what we're looking for is just like anything else, bigger, faster, stronger, who can last the longest, who can, who can produce the most torque, who can produce the most horsepower. Um, because there are a lot of industry models that are like, like, so my customer produces the same one that I do. So the only difference can be, uh, manufacturing time, mm -hmm. customer service and the last one. Those are, those are the three differentiating factors in our business right now. Um, and we're bringing a couple different things to the game that, that are, that are trying to change that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, um, but they're all uh, essentially it's, it's, it's people and product. Mm -hmm. So, so are you guys actually manufacturing the motors themselves? So we are, again, just the, the components of all the motors. Yeah. Um, okay. so we, we, we can, we can, uh, um, manufacture all those on our prime uh, facility. And then within our Viking facility, we are manufacturing the stator and the rotor, um, and so the precision uh, milling machine that we create, that, that we make mm -hmm. the rotors with is an awesome process. Man, if you're ever up by the airport, let me know. It's, it's a cool process to watch. Um, but that's, uh, we use Weingartner. There's a couple different op options yeah. out there. The Weingartner is a brand that we use. Um, that, is, that is what you manufacture your rotors with. And then there's a couple of different ways that you can inject, but, but our injection, we have two, two separate injection lines that we're injecting. Um, currently our one uh, elastomer offering, what we're coming out with next is we're, we're chasing, you know, the hot hole. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so uh, we, we will very, very soon have a, a new hot hole elastomer out, which uh, will give us another option. So 
Uh, so are these reusable? They are. So are you well, burning through yeah. them? So so what happens is 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 depending on on the drilling environment, um, and it's a combination. Each each motor company, each directional company has their own set of criteria that they go by. Um, it is pretty well industry standard that if a stator is running oil based mud, it gets relined. Okay, so our business is is new manufacturing and relines. Okay, mm -hmm. and in the reline process, we take all the rubber that we put out or that we put in the stator, remove it all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bring it back. Make sure everything's good to go on the stator. We check for several different things, including straightness and, and thread profile, and things like that. And then we re-inject that elastomer in it. So they are re the cans themselves are reusable. And in certain applications, the elastomer is reusable. Um, Water-based environments, uh, certain less harsh, I guess. Um, so what happens is, is they'll, they'll come back into a motor shop and uh, the guys will tear the motor apart, including the rotor and stator. They'll pull the rotor out. They'll look at the rubber. They can oftentimes bore scope it. They'll check for the hardness of the rubber. They'll check for swell. So they'll measure the the excuse me. They'll, they'll measure the elastomer and see how much change there was. Um, and then you got to determine was that because of chemical change? Was that because of heat swell? All those different things. And then the the motor company themselves makes the uh, the the decision whether or not they want to get it relined or if they're going to try to rerun it again. So um, it's a good thing and a bad thing to have. Mm -hmm. A, a, a badass rubber for lack of a better term because i've got we've got a lot of customers saying hey man I, hey you haven't seen a reline for a lot i'm running on water-based mud and i've got six runs on it and i'm just going to keep running it so yeah um you know from a business standpoint i like to see the relines come in and the oil-based mud and, and how the kind of industry switch has has gone to that has helped the business out because the frequency of relines is, is greater um but uh when you have good products sometimes you don't see it back very often because uh, so, they, they just keep rerunning re it so who are y'all's customers is it the mud companies or is it the drillers directional companies directional okay. companies and mud motor companies so okay. uh you know the totals the altitudes you know the mm -hmm. discoveries cathedrals all, all okay. of those you go. know all of the directional drilling companies that are out mm -hmm. there working directly for the operator um you know we we have a lot of conversations directly with operators um but our customers are the directional companies that are going mm -hmm. to drill for them our cust our, our our conversations with operators are are usually just informative right hey mm -hmm. what are we doing at viking you guys are new to the table what makes you different um what are we doing in the hot hole game how does you know a lot of times it's informative too right you know sitting here just like this with you and i there's there's a lot of drilling engineers that you know they they might not raise their hand in front of a lot of people but probably never seen the inside of a power section don't know mm -hmm. how how a mud motor works itself um, mm -hmm. and the three different parts of the, of the mud motor and how that all works together so a lot of it's just sitting down and having having a discussion like this about well i know what speed i want because i know i'm running this bit and i know i'm in this formation and i know all those combinations but let's take the guts apart and look at it and see how it actually works yeah um, I'm interested about the, about the the history of Viking, maybe even going a little back. You were talking about your your, your buddy that works with you is is your best friend and your biggest competitor, or he helps stand up a couple of the biggest competitors. Give right. me a little backstory there. Yeah, so 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 again, Life Syverson is our president. He was at uh, um, Long Oldfield Career, 30, 40 years. He's just an uh, unbelievable guy to work for, um, and uh, so so he he was at um, through a series of acquisitions and things. He ended up at the helm of Diner Drill. Um, and Diner Drill is a, is a direct competitor of ours now. And um, through another acquisition, he was able to, 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 to sell his piece of that and then mm -hmm. get out on his own and do it again. Um, at that time, he decided he was- No non-competes or anything? I, just, I, just, just, just out there. Yeah, just out there. Just right, yeah. yeah. So the next one uh, he, he got involved with was uh, he started up Basin Tech. He and a group of guys started mm -hmm. up Basin Tech. And uh, um, 
I can't remember the exact number of years, five, four or five years later, uh, turned around and sold that. And uh, um, that is now today Abaco, which is another mm-hmm. one of our competitors. And, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty of what he's done is, is everybody's like, oh, he's just in it to flip. He has helped build sustainable, long lasting companies that continue to thrive even after, you know, his, mm-hmm. his part of it's done. And um, I, being a part of this one now, I can see why it's because of the, the, the type of people he brings in the team and, and the focus he has on the, on the people. Yeah. Um, the product is obviously important, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, but, but the, the team environment, the family environment that he creates um, has been just kind of eye-opening for me to see yeah. from- Which, which else headcount currently? We are at, um, so Viking itself, we, uh, when we acquired the assets, we, we also inherited eight people. Okay. We're now over 50 people and wow. just over, just over a year. Yeah. Um, company wide we're, you know, with prime we're in the hundred, 150 range. Okay. So, and how long was this technology around before it was acquired by prime or was a company around, I guess you'd say. So Roper has been around Roper was what Roper is, is the company that we acquired and Roper had been around and the for, Roper was rebranded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roper Roper had been around one of the first earliest power section companies, to okay. be honest with you. Uh, and, Roper's a multi-billion dollar company and, and the power sections were just a, a part of what they did and mm-hmm. uh, decided that's not the way they wanted to go. And so they, they, they've decided to get out of it and good on us. We, we, we got lucky and, and our timing was right. So I feel like we need to do like, um, <laughs> there's so much of this that I just absolutely don't understand. This yeah. is like, this is totally foreign to me. Yeah. We should definitely come out and do like break all this down and create like some short. Man, I think it would be like unbelievable if we could do, you know, I see all your guys' learning, but your, your yeah. videos that you guys are doing, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, bridging a gap in the oil and gas industry. Look, I come from, I, I've got two education degrees. I have nothing to do with the oil and gas industry. I grew up in Indiana. Um, I coached football for a couple of years and then decided, Hey, I want to coach my own kids one day. So mm-hmm. I decided to get out and the guy that I was coaching with said, Hey, go down, go down to Louisiana. There's a job in the oil field for you. I was, Whatever. You know, I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and the lady that hired me said, she goes, son, you got a master's degree. Do you know what you're doing? I said, I said, I figured I could either go, go back to school and pay somebody to learn something new, or you could pay me and I can learn something I don't know anything about. She goes, oh. And so I've been stuck ever since. Yeah. And, but, but the amount of learning and all that stuff. So I'm a huge proponent of, of, of learning and teaching and, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, I think it would be awesome. Our, our COO, um, Tippy Touchette is 30 years in the machining industry. So he could walk you, I mean, from, from a learning curve on how machining works, how it's evolved, how, you know, manual machinists used to be the only thing we have. Now we've got CNC machinists and a manual machinist probably looks at a CNC machinist and says, that's not a real machinist. He's just a button put, you know, all these different could things. You, could you imagine having to like manually machine something like Look, super complex? I'm telling you when I first got in the motor side with Pathfinder energy, um, back in 2012, um, no, excuse me, 2008. Um, we had guys that were running manual lays that saved us more money because of, just a little chasing face here rather than, you know, now you go, you're blowing and going and everybody's like, I'll just mm-hmm. cut a new connection. Well, it's not really the most economical thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so these guys, they're, they're, they're artists, they're true artists. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's something that it, it's a lost art that not a lot of people, um, um, do anymore. So, but, but yeah, to go out and then, you know, see the machine side of it, see the power section side of it, understand how it all goes together, how the power section turns the transmission, which, you know, then interacts with the lower end and the, in the bit 
would we'd love to love to be a part of any of that and all of that uh, yeah it'd be awesome are you guys are you guys with this whole steel shortage are you guys affected by that so that is probably the one thing on a from a timing aspect that mm-hmm. we didn't hit right right so yeah. um from a, a ramp up from more rigs from more activity we you know rather be lucky than good right from mm-hmm. a, couldn't have wrote a better story as far as our timing from that standpoint but you know we have some crafty competitors right and 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 a lot of them you know saw um what was coming and and kind of gobbled up some of the but we have some innovative ways that we're you know that we're continuing to press the limit on what operators are looking for as far as a motor goes mm-hmm. by repurposing things that are that are sitting around that other people aren't using. We have a we have a technology called Duratorque technology where we can take a conventional stator and turn it into an even wall. And now you're gonna your wheels are really gonna start spinning. Mm-hmm. So in a in a conventional stator, there's various uh, thicknesses of the elastomer, right? Because okay. it's it's a straight tube mm-hmm. and you stick the you, you you inject it with the elastomer and you've got on the peaks it's it's thicker on the valleys it's it's thinner on our duratorque technology or our even wall technology the profile of the power section is milled inside of the inside of the stator so now i just have an even layer of rubber on mm. throughout what's the point of that so it gives you a couple of things it gives you um uh your you can drill with higher differential pressure Basically, basically the stats on the spec sheet on a spec sheet um, increase anywhere from twenty to thirty percent. Okay, and our technology is such that we're not milling it out of a um, out of a stator. We've got a technology that we can take and again repurpose a standard stator, make it an even wall. So what has happened in the power section game is bigger, 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 bigger. Right? Uh, this one has more torque, so I want to use it. This one is you know has a higher flow rate, so I want to use it. So what's happened is is all of these power sections that were the latest and greatest or the flavor of the day, as we like to call them, mm-hmm. or they no longer exist. Yeah. They, they just they just sit there and collect dust. So what we're trying to do is, okay, we might not have an abundant supply of, of 17.4 for rotors or this amazing supply of steel for, and, and, and don't get me wrong, we're getting it done and we're, we're making it work. But at the same time, we're saying, hey, you know those power sections that you've got sitting over there, they're mm-hmm. still a viable option. Watch, watch what we can do with it. Let's mm-hmm. increase it by 30%. Now that's one that everybody thinks is the latest and greatest. You've got 60 of them sitting in your yard. So rather than pr- producing, you know, um, making a, a purchase of both rotors and stators, I can give you a new Duratorque stator. You can use it with your conventional rotor. And now I've got a 30% more mm-hmm. powerful um, power section. That's so, smart. Yeah. Especially, so, especially right now. And I imagine people <clears throat> just have so much equipment, like just old equipment so much, around. So much. So one of the ways, one of the ways that, um, uh, you get more power out of power sections, make it longer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the old school tried and true eight inch seven, eight, four Oh, that was, that was the standard bear on land. How to, long, how long are these things? Are we uh, so an eight inch seven, eight, four Oh is anywhere from 195, 195 inches to 200 inches long. Okay. That's So just, 17 feet, 18 17 feet, feet, yeah, 17 okay. feet right? The new standard is 300 inches. That's okay. whatever, that's what everybody's running. That's so what we've done is we've taken the 7840, we've extended so by it going out. longer. You're getting more power. We're getting more power. So now that is there a point of diminishing return where you're just, it's so long. It's absolutely ridiculous. Depends on what part of the well you're in. If I'm drilling the curve and my three point geometry gets thrown off because I've got a, mm-hmm. you know, 400 inch stator. Yes. There's a, you know, there's a problem with that. Um, but you know, 
there's in an operator's eyes if it says more power there's no diminishing return you know we're we're gonna we're gonna figure it out um but uh so what i didn't get to earlier was you've got the lobes and then you have the stages okay so 7840 means from one end to the other from the bottom to the top of that rotor there are four wraps of of one of one what i would call peak so from Mm -hmm. it starts here and it wraps around four times um so now that 7840 is extended out to a 7859, okay? The profile of a 7840 is the same as the profile of a 7859. It's just shorter. Mm-hmm. At Prime, we have a way of lining these things up, cutting stub welding, and now I've taken two 7840s and made one 7859. So again, the 7840 that's sitting there doing nothing because everybody wants 7859. Mm-hmm we can do this for cheaper than we can, you know, then you can produce a new one. So a lot of what we're trying to do is, is take what we've got, make it better, but make it all, but, but also use what we have. Right. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love, I love just repurposing old shit. Yeah. Man. I don't, I don't I don't know if it was just how I was raised, like just growing up kind of poor and like, you just, you, you learn to take care of stuff That's and right. like repurpose stuff and refurbish stuff. Yeah. And then being a car guy on top of it, like I got this old BMW sitting in the garage and I'm like, why like, why can't you get rid of it? And I'm like, because if I do this, this, and this, I've got a really awesome car. Yep. You know, and it's not, it's not far off. That's right. You know, you see the potential in things. That's and right. so it's really cool that you guys are able to repurpose a lot of this older stuff. For sure. What else do you want to teach me? Man. Um, look, I, I, again, what, what we talked about before is there's a lot of similarities in, in our competitors and what we do. And it's very similar, you know, the directional companies, what do they offer that's different? All these different things. How are we going to do things different? Um, and I think it starts again with with Life and, and Tippy as our as our you know president and COO, the culture that they've set and that they continue to set and that we mm-hmm. continue to build. Um, we want to be a company, you know. We started, you know, again, another shameless plug for the guys at Midnight. We started working with them. I actually met Tim in a, in a previous life, um, mm-hmm. in a previous job. And um, the first thing they asked when we started talking about marketing, I, I brought them up. And, and we've, we've done these kind of, I don't know, we call them our Gatorade videos of employees. And, yeah. and taking a video of an employee and, and kind of followed him on a day-to-day basis and make these highlight videos of, of what our guys are doing. We want people to say, not only do I want to use Vikings products, but those people seem happy Mm -hmm. those people that that seems like an awesome place to work i want to go work with them i want i want to be a part of that team so what's different i mean you how long you been in the oilfield now i've been in the oilfield since 2008 so whatever that matters it's a long ass time yeah so probably close to what 15 15 15 15 years what is different about viking slash prime versus i mean i looked at your linkedin you probably worked at least four other places in those 15 years right what's the what are some of the biggest things there um, for me personally is the ability to affect change. Um, I'm, I'm in a position now where, you know, uh, not saying if I say it goes, but you know, I've, I've yeah. got the, 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 re- the ear of, of the two guys that, that can make things happen. Right. Is that more so uh, the position or is that more so it's a culture of, I don't know, more like a collaborative culture. Where it's, it is, it's, it's, it is, where it's more it bottom very up much, than top down. Yeah. It's very <clears> much, I think, I think it's a combination of the two. Yeah. I think it's, um, past work history and the things that I've done in my career and, and, and kind of where I, how I've gotten to where I've got, but, but more importantly, it's, you know, our, our leadership understanding that this is going to take everybody. 
and it's not just nope this is my way or the highway mm -hmm. and that's the that's probably the best thing that i've seen with with uh with life and tippy they've both built companies and sold companies mm -hmm. but they're also sitting there going they're not sitting there saying nope this is how we're going to do it this is how we're you know this is what it's going to be they're, they're not like that they yeah. they want everybody's opinion they know things are ever changing they know things are evolving um the social media stuff that we're doing mm -hmm. um they would you know we would have said no way we, we don't need that stuff we didn't need it before but it's becoming important right yeah. um and, and well it, unpack and that with me because i just had a conversation yesterday mm -hmm. with um one of the one of the big guys right uh on, on the marketing side we were talking about the challenges that they were facing internally of like they're one of the biggest names out there everybody knows them however you know it's so much bureaucracy internally and it's exactly like what you were talking about about no, we're just not going to put our neck out there. We're not going to do a whole lot on social media. Mm -hmm. Like everybody already knows us. Why do we necessarily need to do this? Yeah. However, like, dude, content is like the highest form of leverage these days. Yeah. And that applies to the oil field services. I know that I know it seems like you're excluded. We're in the commodity business. I mean, it applies to the entire industry. But I'm curious as to like, I don't know if you were there in, in that journey from the beginning of like kind of going out, like, like you said, you know, you guys working with midnight and kind of going out there and doing more, um, just like content and stuff. But I'm curious as to like, what's y'all's why? And especially with this, I'm guessing Tippy's probably, probably older, right? Yeah. A few yeah, years older than me. Yeah, yeah. A few years older than us. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of curious as to like that mindset because we're still a long ways off oh, yeah. from where we need to be as an industry in terms of like, not, not just like promoting our, you know, promoting products and business development and things like that, but it's also, it's so important for, raising the world's energy iq yeah you know and this is not something that we can do alone or anybody else who's creating content can do alone it's really kind of up to like all of us and so mm -hmm. like what i love is you know you're talking about kind of going out of the field and doing like a you know a day in the life of what certain people are doing do we need more of that yeah. we need every company to be doing that yeah no and 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 uh it's funny that you say that the big card to, to go back one question to go and answer what what's the biggest when you say how can you affect change there's not a lot of the bureaucracy right mm -hmm. um and you know it's that they allow us to make it ours right mm -hmm. and and um you know um life cyverson leaf cyverson uh viking was that that was his thing right yeah uh, other than that it's like do with it what you need to mm -hmm. you know um and i told him about social media stuff that i wanted to do he's like if you think that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. Then, then let's roll mm -hmm. with it, right? Um, so it's been a, it, it has been a journey, and I try to get you know um, as many people's perspective as I can because there's a lot of times where I'm kind of like, and maybe it's because I'm getting older, I've got kids, whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. And, yeah, and, and you know, like a lot of the people on the on the midnight team and and, and my team in particular will say, yeah, but we need to. You know, yeah. we need to do this. We you need to push the envelope a little mm -hmm. bit. And, um, you know, I again, I think even just from an educational standpoint, what can be gained from social media and what you know, um, it's it's hard. There, there's been throughout the you know throughout the 16 months or whatever we've been we've been open. People have called and said, "Hey, I didn't even know you, there was another power section company, but I saw you on LinkedIn." Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, then every dollar we've spent so far is worth it because we've just made a new new contact who's a new customer and and now now we roll it out so i mean um it is is sometimes you don't see the it's uh micro dirty jobs right mm -hmm. one of the things that he said when he saw uh when he did his dirty jobs was the level of happiness of the people doing the dirty jobs was 
far superior, far higher than people in a day-to-day um, environment because 90% of the dirty jobs, there was instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're scooping, scooping shit, you can see this, whatever. If you're picking up trash, you can see that instant gratification. With social media, you don't see the instant gratification. Yeah, that's you get the, the hardest. You that get, is the hardest thing about it. It's it's right. So you get the likes, right? And yeah. and we get addicted to the likes and get it's that like, dopamine oh, hit. Yo, like, oh, gosh, man, we is. need these likes, it is, right? It's it's a drug, right? But that that's probably the biggest hurdle to jump is well, if you're spending your time for two or three hours a day doing social media stuff, you could have seen one or two customers. Very well. But if in these two or three hours a day, I reach 1,800 people with the post that we just put together. And if it's 1,800 targeted people who could all, one of those could potentially become a client. Right. Now you have to look at what is the, you know, your customer acquisition cost there was three hours of your time. Correct. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a completely different way of, of casting a super wide net, kind of creating top of funnel. Still comes in. You still have to build relationships in this industry. For it's sure. still very much B to C. Yep. You know, everybody sees this as like, oh, just business is doing business. But no, nah, yeah. you're still doing business with people you love, that you like to hang out with. That's you know? the that's the biggest thing, right? Is um, you know, to me, I've, I've always been a leadership guy. I've always loved leadership, and um, the easiest definition for me was my college football coach: leadership is influence. And so it's been an easy transition for me. I'd say easy transition. It's been a nice transition for me into sales because I think sales is the same thing as leadership. It's influence, right? Yeah. Um, but most important of that is is building relationships and being able to have the you know, um, you know the the built-up bank account with your customer to call them and say, hey, man, I can't do it for this price. This is why, this is whatever it may. But have those honest conversations about, mm-hmm. about what's going on um, without feeling like it's just these transactional relationships are just, you know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't last, right? Yeah. Transactional this is relationships. Not a tra- this is not yeah. a transactional business. No, it's not. This absolutely. It's very much relationship-driven, yep. even in 2022. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, one of my one of my best friends. Um, we we did, kind of did our first startup together. Really, never went where. Uh, we actually moved to Houston together. Had a startup house. I got married halfway through that, mm-hmm. but my name was on the lease, so <clears throat> I couldn't really get out of it. And we really didn't make any money at the time because I was just like going to school. Um, and so then my wife moved in with us in the startup house. Like we had like a the banner in the in the in the the, the, the kitchen and like that was like our hacking room anyway it ended up not going anywhere but uh he went on to pursue um you know software engineering and stuff and now as of like two weeks ago or maybe a month ago he now works at combo curve mm-hmm. you know as a developer and so it's like he's now dove head first into oil and gas yeah and do we've known each other for i don't know i've known him longer than my wife probably 12 13 years and i was never really able to talk to him about oil and gas stuff because it it just so much nuance sure. and there's so much context that you're sure. kind of missing like i don't want to just go into this conversation without having to tell you a million other things right mm-hmm. he calls me the other day and he's just like man it's like there's puds and pdp and pv and p90 and p10 and you know they're building some pretty cutting edge technology right. you know being able to, to build all these type curves and economics for all these wells and it was so cool because he was a he was like yeah so i went back and listened to y'all's interview with armand i was able to get schooled up really quickly he was like, I'm just scouring the website and YouTube and podcasts and just trying to like learn as much as I possibly can right. about the industry. And that doesn't just apply to the people who are absolutely like brand new to the industry. Obviously, you want to like soak all this in, but it's also like 
you think about an engineer who's graduating who just has no experience yet, yeah. right? And wants to learn not just about the role that he's going into, maybe he's a reservoir engineer, but he wants to learn about like the stuff that you guys are doing. Like yeah. you have a huge opportunity to like, yes, we, you know, we're talking about raising energy IQ, you know, collectively, but raising energy IQ as a as an industry internally. Absolutely. Right? You know, yeah. Matt, you imagine you have more people that come come to the table with better ideas because you're more well versed and understand the comprehensive overall picture of what's happening here. Yep. That's that is how we end it. It's huge. And then when, when you have these conversations with, with, with the folks that are actually using the end product and you say, this is how it works. Oh, well, that's why we can't, that's why there's a max GPMs that we can flow on this thing. Well, that's mm -hmm. why there's a max weight or whatever. And they start to see the internal, like you said, the, the, the IQ of everyone goes up and then again, our efficiencies continue to, to increase. I mean, there's so many things that we can continue to do. Like I said, we, we're drilling ourselves out of a job right now, yeah. but um, there's still, there's still more improvement to be made. And it, a lot of it is just education is yeah. just understanding how it all works together. It's like, you know, relate a lot back to football was, you know, the offensive lineman, the, the, the right guard knows what the right guard's doing. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the wide receiver knows what the right the quarterback's got to know what everybody's doing. And if we get to a point where we're all quarterbacks of what we're of, of what we're yeah. doing and the application of what we're using, it could it would be a game changer. No, absolutely. We've always used the uh, kind of the example of, you know, you've got the reservoir engineers that are generating the type curves and then you, you go all the way in, you go into production. You're like, well, why, why, why didn't these meet up? Obviously, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that can go wrong in yeah. between there. However, you've seen that uh, a lot of the different departments have been incentivized differently and there isn't like any sort of cohesion to where everybody is like benefited off of like, yeah. especially if you did like profit sharing, like where everybody had some sort of like non-op working interest in the well and everybody's like on the same page about this needs to produce very well. Yeah. It's amazing the kind of teamwork you can have across drilling completions and then going into yeah. production. And then now the engineer's happy. Right? Well, that's, I mean, that's such a big thing, right? It's <clears throat> like tell anybody in this industry, how do, you, how do you succeed? The first thing is, that's not my job is not anything you yeah. that should never come out of your mouth one mm -hmm. yeah i'll figure it out right and we'll work together to figure it out and if you can get like you said from the beginning to the end all working together and understanding that what i do here today affects what could be six years from now you mm -hmm. know um d depending on how things go uh it, it's it's very difficult to do but it makes all the difference in the world i'm curious um i'm curious about a lot of things but here's one yeah. of the things i'm curious is what 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 is y'all's take, or what's maybe the take of a lot of your colleagues, maybe at other at other companies, work from home, work from home in the oil field? How does how does how does that work? So it's 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 interesting. Um, are my, you are you guys doing it or no? We we have it's hybrid. common, yeah, hybrid, yeah. 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 So um, obviously, it's very difficult to run a a lathe or inject a stator yeah, from yeah. home. So <laughs> yeah. there are certain you know. Um, I always I always thought of it as as interesting. In my time at Slumberjay, we had an essential and non essential employees and. Mm -hmm. And I was always a non-essential employee because I was an office guy. And I was like, well, why am I non-essential? makes a lot of sense to me now, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously there's, there's, we talk about it all the time. Tippy and I have conversations on a daily basis that we are competing with companies and for people. But pay is only a part of it now. Mm -hmm. Used to be. I'm leaving for 25 cents a dollar, uh, 25 cents an hour more. We're going, you know, Dude, now it's, such a competitive it's market. lifestyle, yeah. right? People right, wrong or indifferent. The, the, the COVID-19 mm -hmm. thing that happened, um, taught people that lifestyle is important. And, you know, if you can have a better lifestyle, whether that means working from home or, you know, leaving a little early or, you know, it, 
hey, four hours at the office, four hours at the house or, or whatever those times are. Um, so yes, the answer is, is we've kind of got a hybrid thing. And, and, and with my sales team, I, if, if you're in the office, you're, we're doing it wrong, right? <laughs> you know, we want to be out in front of our customers. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely, be, absolutely. We want to be involved. We want to do that. Stuff, Especially so. when you're in the truck, you're going yep. to see customers and stuff. I don't that's even nice. consider that we're from home. I just, that's like, that's just field sales. Yeah, that's, that's, right? that's right. You're, you're in your truck. So, but what, so what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build in the company is some of the things that we're going to do, you know, different as, as we continue to push is we're giving our, our team the ability to, there are things right now that they've got to go to the office for to be able to, to be able to access, to be able mm -hmm. to see. We're, we're getting to the point where it's like, I, I do everything on that. That's yeah. my brain. You know, I could lose my laptop tomorrow and be fine. But if I lost that thing, I, I'm I'm in trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to give it, put it in, in, in our employees hands so that we can have, you know, um, different, uh, different outlets or you don't have to be sitting in front of a computer screen to do your job. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, it, th that'll help from an educational standpoint. We're going back to that piece of it is like, can our inside sales team who's doing a whole bunch of quotes and, and talking to all these vendors, can they go see those vendors? Mm -hmm. Can they go understand what, you know, when we, when we ask for a quote for this size, this OD, this, you know, um, this KSI strength, whatever it may be, how do they figure out if they have it? Go mm -hmm. meet with them. Because if I can handle a couple things during that two hour, you know, field trip, so to, so to speak, and, and still do my job, let's do it. You know? Yeah. I guess my biggest question is, and this is something I always ask myself, Colin's the same way, is does it make the team soft? Or maybe, I mean, as a society, are we getting soft? I think the answer is yes. But does it make the team soft, mm -hmm. right? And I think that, I'll just say up front, I think software companies for the most part probably work pretty well being remote. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of tools, collaboration tools and stuff that have been built and tested over the last like 10 years. It's pretty standard. Yep there's certain functions and stuff where you probably need to get people together on a whiteboard. And however, just the nature of software developers, like they're pretty good on their own. They're yep. kind of work in a silo, right? It's not really needed to have tons and tons of like FaceTime for what we do. It's like absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. Like we spend most of our days around whiteboards. Yeah. Right. And so we actually, we were hybrid. Um, let's just call it six months ago. And we felt like we had some communication breakdowns mm -hmm. and it, Things weren't really getting done. We weren't really hitting some of our, we operate on OKRs, you know, subjectives and key results that kind of yep. guide the company into a North Star for the year. Um, and then we came, everybody got in the office. We said, hey, we're going to pause. Everybody come to the office and guess what? All communication issues went away, crushed all the OKRs, every, like all problems. You, Elon so I think it's also before just, Elon did, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Elon came out and was just like, yeah, work from home is bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can, I can agree with that. But right. it's a, it's an interesting topic. I it's something that I'm continuing to try to like explore with, with different organizations. Yeah. And is there anything that I can learn from like what you guys are doing at Viking and that we can apply with Wildcatters or with, you know, anybody who's listening that they can apply within their companies? Yeah, so. I, I think, I think uh, again, I think going back to, um, it gives you a competitive edge on the hiring standpoint if you can say, "Hey, we're we're rigid, but we're flexible." Yeah, if that makes any sense yeah. at all. I mean, look, one hundred percent agree that face to face. You know, there was an option for doing this. You know, yep. over. I want to come down here and do this face to face. Um, it can't be beat. But at the same time, we also know everybody's got lives. Everybody's got you know this, that, and the other mm -hmm. things to take care of. And, you know, a happy employee is a more productive employee. Yeah. And if it takes one day a week for employee A to, to work from home, mm -hmm. but the other four in there, you know, in, in, in the trenches doing, the, doing their things. Yeah. You know, I think it comes down to just hiring 
hiring the right people who are going to continue to hustle and that don't necessarily have to be if you're in one of those companies that where, you, where we think work from home or hybrid works, mm-hmm. you're not having to be necessarily handheld. And I think what's ruined me is just seeing, I've seen a couple of different things uh, online uh, where like there was one software developer who's like, yeah, I'm currently working at like six different companies full-time work from home. Uh, you know, I'm shipping code to all of these. My collective compensation is like 1.2 million. I've got stock <laughs> options worth like, like five, like right. 5 million or something. And yeah. he was just like, you know, it's, you know, yeah. you know I work a lot, but it's, pretty cush because i just like i ship code here and then i ship code here and then i ship code here and then i ship code there <laughs> you know and then there's yeah. also the other people who are like yeah i'm just like sitting there working on a beach and it's i think for certain things yeah maybe that works but i think at the same time it's like you're masking possibly uh laziness or like not wanting to for actually sure. work like there is like that is happening like oh, we, yeah. we know that it's there's happening. there's no doubt about it right? yeah i think i think you got to have mm. you know again it seems like you, where i go rigid and flexible if we're going to be flexible to let people do things, mm-hmm. we've got to be rigid on if you're asked a question, if you're needed for this, if blah, 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 these things need to happen. And if they're not happening, then, you know, um, there, there, there's a, there's a portion of me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn like you. There's a portion of me that says we're paying these people really good money mm-hmm. and we're paying them to, to then babysit them. That doesn't make any sense. So mm-hmm. again, I, I think it's going back to what the very beginning of our conversation of, of what we've done very, very well is create that culture. Yeah. Um, a lot of our people, you know, I, I hope I'm saying this and, and I feel it when I go in, people like just enjoy being there and, yeah. and, and the camaraderie that they yeah. have and being in, around the folks that they're around. So and I like to think that we have the same thing. Yeah. Everybody comes in, we've tried to create a really, really fun environment. We like don't have any comfortable couches and, and beanbags like you guys got. So, I mean, that, you got to get, you got to get yeah, some of those. Yeah, you know, you some some, out. We want to make it yeah, like, and there's so much that goes into like the team kind of like votes and comes up with ideas of like, Hey, what should we do with the office? And like, what are the perks? And, um, you know, attracting talent has been, it's been hard. Yeah. You know, we're, we're kind of going through this growth phase now and kind of looking to bring on some people brought some more on recently that are absolute killers. And it's like, we want more of that. Um, however, if you're looking to like compete in kind of like the broader job market, like dude it is, it's yeah. hard. Like there's for one, there's this major hump of, we just came out of the worst downturn in oil and gas mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of people are like, ah, I don't even know if I want to go into it anymore. Right. So there's like this huge perception thing. There's also a lot of people who are from the industry that have like gone through three downturns in their, their career. And they're like, I'm done. Like yep. it's wiped me out. Obviously that's terrible. Um, but also now, I mean, you're competing against companies like, like especially the big tech companies, Facebook, Amazon, yeah. dude, I mean, you're looking at some of these companies, especially for like tech talent, you know, four or $500,000 base salaries. And then another probably half a million dollar bonus a year. Yeah. And it's work from home and you're getting all these crazy perks. Like how are we as an industry, especially, you know, the companies that are in here and it's a lot of, you know, tech companies, especially like in software, like how do you attract the right kind of talent to come That's in? True. Like, I mean, what are we like, what are we having to like give up to sell people? Yeah. Also, where are all the people? Why, why does like, I, don't, I also, I don't understand this. Like, was, yeah. why is it when I go to like the other day I went to Smoothie King, I was like, I'm going to get a protein shake. And they had a thing on the, on the, uh, on the, the, what do you call it? Little intercom. Yeah. They were like, we're closed. We don't have enough people. We cannot hire anybody. We closed for the day. Wow. And I've insane. seen that everywhere. I know. Especially it, like the it, service it industry. The, board, the service industry. And that, that, that's how, yeah. Plug for the service industry. Like if you're going stimulus to lunch, checks getting, aren't carrying people. No. $1,400 don't last very no, long. No, it doesn't last very Where long. Where did everybody go? I, I don't know. And nobody wants know. to work. Nobody wants to work. Um, and, and, and on top of, you know, competing with the Googles and all these other, you know, these unbelievable salaries, none of those industries have been vilified like we have, you, you know? know. 
be, be especially this whole uh, you know uh, Exxon Mobil has made more money than God yet their their net margin for last year was like less than eight percent and you look at Apple Google all thirty plus yes percent yes it's completely asinine it's a terrible the, argument the, yeah the, the the Pfizer's of the world you know I mean oh yeah so don't get me started yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast rabbit hole we could shouldn't go down <laughs> but I mean oh you know. So we've we've got all these things, and 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 that's that to me. You know, if anybody ever questions whether social media or or media in general is worth you know putting money into as a company, look at mm-hmm. our society, yeah. right? They 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 get told this on TikTok or or Instagram or whatever, and it's it's gospel. Why are the oil and gas companies price gouging? Yeah, exactly. But don't look into it any further yeah. because it's not not yeah. that easy. Yeah. So. Man. Yeah, that, like you said, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do it on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this has been fun. Uh, obviously, we just talked about everything under the sun. Yeah. Loved it. Great conversation. I really want to come by Viking, yeah. check it out, create yep. some content, and showcase exactly what you guys are doing. Just educate people. Yeah, absolutely. You know? we, need, we need to do a whole lot more of it. And so I love that you guys are leading the way with, with social media. Yep. Um, this has been fun, dude. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Doors are open, man. We'd love to have you guys out. Uh, Check us out on Viking PT, vikingpowertechnologies.com, and then uh, follow us on, you know. You're on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, yes, sir. Right. So it's just Nick Williams on there? Nick Williams on LinkedIn. and uh, Cool. Yeah, and really appreciate the opportunity to come out and talk to you. Really enjoyed it. Yep, absolutely, man. All right, guys, take two seconds. Leave a little, uh, rating review. Share with your entire company. You know, just do like, hey, just select all on email. Put it in there. Put it on Slack if you guys have Slack, Microsoft Teams. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Come, 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 come.